The Posting Up Podcast is brought to you by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national writer for the Washington Post. Uh, here with a longtime friend of the pod, former frequent guest of the pod, uh, Dan Wojcicki, now of the Los Angeles Times. So a lot has happened since Dan Wojcicki was last on the podcast. He changed jobs, got married, bought a house. Uh, Chris Paul left the Clippers. JJ Redick left the Clippers. And now today, Blake Griffin left the Clippers. Been a remarkable... Uh, turnover around the Clippers. And, and now, most importantly, it's brought Dan back to the pod. So, Dan, what is happening? Well, I'm just so glad you wanted to talk about the AFC's just remarkable <laughs> comeback on Sunday in Orlando. Um, I really didn't think they'd be able to pull off a Pro Bowl win. And, and you know, Casey Hayward was one of the guys I cover with a big interception. And the, the, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. I probably should have. <laughs> Dan, Dan. Now, for those of you who just followed him when he covered basketball, is now covering the Chargers for the Los Angeles Times, which is which is a great paper and a great job. But we miss him in the NBA, and especially on uh, especially a couple weeks ago, we had the whole secret tunnel incident, which would have been yes. the ultimate Dan Wojcicki day. I texted you that night, and now we have sad. the end. And now we have the end of the the Lob City Clippers with Blake being traded. So, uh, in, in all seriousness, though, uh, just as somebody who covered this team better and longer and more in depth than anybody else over the last, you know, eight or 10 years, however, you know, this whole run, I guess. Sure. What, what has been, what is kind of your top line thoughts on this trade that, that sees Blake Griffin kind of stunningly out of nowhere, be sent out of LA for good? Well, I mean, I, th- I think to me the, the, the first thought I had, you know, obviously was a little bit of shock and not, not shock in the sense that, you know, this was over or, you know, this is going to end without a title, but but kind of shock and sort of the creativity and the boldness of the front office to, to do this, that for so much of covering the Clippers, I think, um, and trying to understand how the front office ran under Doc Rivers, a lot of it was just kind of like, this was a team that kind of always painted themselves into a corner because they desperately wanted to win, right? They had, The franchise never won before and they had... They've been kind of gifted two events, um, well, really three events kind of in a row. You know, obviously DeAndre Jordan becomes, um, you know, a, a top 50 player and becomes, you know, a guy capable of being on an all-NBA team um, after being a second-round pick. That that was good fortune. Um, getting lucky enough to win a lottery is always good fortune, and they did so in a year where there was a pretty good player at number one in Blake Griffin. And then obviously the good fortune in the NBA vetoing the original Chris Paul trade um, for the Lakers, opening the door for the Clippers to acquire Chris Paul. So, you know, all of these things happened. I think by the time when Doc Rivers got there, this team was so hell-bent on winning. Um, they made kind of decisions like, I, I, it'd be like if I just started only eating butter. <laughs> you, 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 you know, like, like, who cares about tomorrow? Well, and, let, like, and let's, 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 let's call, let's call it. 
Well, no. You let's run just... down some of these moves. Well, I mean, if, I felt I like want, everything was. Go I ahead. want. I want you to run through the moves, but let's call a spade a spade, right? The Doc Rivers was hell bent on winning, and I think you can you can trace a lot of this back to the fact that the Clippers. It wasn't just him, though. It wasn't it, just him. I know it wasn't just him, but for a long stretch of this run, the Clippers were basically run by Doc Rivers. And it, wh- I right. think the thing you said at the beginning, I want you to run through the moves because I think it is instructive and it does, it is help. It does help get us to where we are today. But I, I think it is instructive that the first thing you said was the boldness and creativity of the front office to make this move. That was not stuff that for the, for the vast majority of that tenure, when he was running the team, we were saying about the stuff the Clippers were doing. And I think, sure. and it's, I'm not necessarily saying that as like a total rip on doc rivers. It's more just that it's, it's, it's being proven to be very, very difficult, if not impossible, for just about anybody to do this dual role job. And I think as you mm-hmm. see the Clippers this year, having guys like Mike Winger and Trent Redden in the front office, bringing in Jerry West, you see they're, they find guys like Tyrone Wallace and C.J. Williams. They're finding young guys. They're doing different stuff. I, I think that some of that creativity and, and, and an injection of different ideas is stuff that we didn't see through a lot of this run. And I think it's partly why this whole thing led to where it is right now. But anyway, well, yeah. I do want you to run I, through these moves. Well, like here, I mean, to that point, I, I think, you know, it, a lot of it was circumstances too, right? Um, obviously, part of the circumstances of this year, the injuries that this team invariably was good. Like, they were always going to be an injured team. Um, you know, you don't bank on Blake Griffin, Pat Beverly, and Danilo Gallinari all being healthy um, when those guys traditionally have struggled to be healthy um, in recent years. So, so it, it, it opened doors for more creative thinking i think doc rivers has done a terrific job coaching this year maybe the best job he's done with this oh i think i think unquestionably he i think he's done an outstanding job i mean the fact that he was able to keep them afloat with all the injuries they had. i mean he did a really good job job. he did a really good job in his first year i don't mean that he did i don't mean he did terrible drilling stuff too but but this I, i think is kind of to this kind of caliber of work from him and what's ironic is is that ultimately it'll probably end with him not coaching the Clippers <laughs> right, anymore right uh, it, which is strange in itself but I mean I think you know I, I kind of look back to sort of the path that they went on with Doc Rivers um very clearly um when they the, so the first thing they did when he got the job was they traded Eric Bledsoe and, and that trade um really set the tone I think in terms of obviously hindsight being what it is, they gave up a young player, but they, they acquired JJ Redick in that trade and Jared Dudley. Um, Redick obviously had a really great career with the Clippers. A couple, I mean, careers a stretch, but you know, three, four good years. That was um, getting getting JJ Redick on that contract was a great move. That was, yeah. it, it was one of the best moves of the whole doc tenure. But ultimately, too, everything was built around Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin all being max players, and, and that that decision um, wasn't wasn't a winning wasn't a winning formula and that was proven out and, and what it what it kind of forced doc rivers i think and and knowing doc and having covering covered him and they were always good enough to like try right they were always good enough they were they were they were on like the fringes of contention um they were stuck in they were they, they were stuck in like there's like a couple different no man's lands in the nba and the clippers especially after the warriors ascended found themselves in maybe the most unique one which is like really good team that isn't quite good enough to be a real championship contender and isn't quite bad enough that it's that you have to think about blowing it up. Well, so you, that's I, why I every felt year like you could talk yourself. You could talk yourself into believing that you know if things broke right. Well, that and that's why they, I they say were not, in position. Yeah, they were in kind of that Mavs position. Exactly. That's why I say things. That's why I say like 
That's why I say they were in the weird no man's land of not quite good enough because they were good enough that, like you said, you they they were good. good, They were good enough that you could like you could see it if it all came together. But it also all needed to come together. And like you said, everybody would kind of and like we had this conversation a whole bunch of times, right? Like, sure, maybe they'll be the Mavericks. And like I think as we've seen over time, the Mavericks are the anomaly that rarely happens, and the the Clippers just couldn't ever quite have it come together to have that. That season well, and they look, needed, and they were in position. You know, the door was open for them a couple of times, obviously, and it very painfully slammed shut. Um, I think back to you know that first Doc Rivers season in Oklahoma City, um, where they had the Thunder on the ropes. They were about to win Game Five. Um, I think they were up eight with ninety seconds to go. Yeah, that is Somehow an under was. that is an underrated implosion. I mean, I, because of all the other stuff that was going on, you mentioned the sure. Donald Sterling stuff, but that was. Yeah. <laughs> That was a true implosion at the yeah, end. Yeah, and, and it was game five. It wasn't an elimination game. Right. Um, I, I believe the series was 2-2. Yeah, so it would have been 3-2 going home. Yeah, and, and they would have been in a great position. And instead, they were just emotionally tapped and lose. Obviously, again, the next year happens um, where they lose uh, in, lose to Houston in seven games. Well, and that really, and that really felt like the true missed opportunity, right? Because they're up, whatever it was, 17 in the fourth quarter, at home, James Harden is on the bench. Had been terrible, basically. Dwight was, Howard out of the game. Dwight Howard yeah. out of the game. Like it seemed like it was set up, and that was the year. That was the first Warrior season. The Warriors still hadn't quite ascended to where they were going to get to. Um, that was the series everybody wanted to see. You know, Warriors yes. Clippers would have been just tremendously fun from a. Uh, a game standpoint and and it would have that was before the Warriors had gone all the way up so the Clippers at that point had already beat them in a playoff series two years before or was it the year before right the year, year before. before right so they beat them in a playoff series I mean that could have been that was their best chance to break through and, and, then, and, and then, then it just went all then, downhill from yeah. there and that falls apart and then you know there's weird losses to to Portland um, where you know in a span of minutes Chris Paul and Blake Griffin um, both get lost for the series. It just so like there was a lot of weird things. But as all of these things were happening, you know, there was a belief, I think, and it was a true belief um, that this team was good enough. And, and um, so what that meant was, and they were capped out the entire time. So it, it meant that they would do things like, you know, Jamal Crawford was a free agent. They had his bird rights. They didn't really have any other options. And they had to resign Jamal Crawford. They had to resign Austin Rivers. Right. They had they had to, you know, overreach on the mid level exceptions with guys like Wes Johnson and, and Spencer Hawes. They, they they always felt like they had to do these things, these kind of um, to to stay right where they were, and, and, and never really allowed for any innovation. They could um, just never find guys five to eight. They like they had the one. Well, I think it was. I think it was more. I think it was more eight to twelve on their roster. Well, maybe. Was where the issues I mean, I, were. I guess they I guess never I'm, developed. I guess I'm not counting Jamal, but like it. They just felt like they were always. I maybe it was like guys seven to nine. They always sure. just felt like they were a couple guys short every year. It was like they well, had the core and group, they, and they kept trying to find those couple extra guys to fill out the end of the rotation. But those guys were always. And the problem was, is, you know, and this is, I think, to me, would be the the biggest criticism you could point at Doc if you wanted. Because those guys were always veterans. They right. were never younger players. Right. Um, maybe with the exception of Austin. And that comes with its own sort of interesting kind of d- dynamic. Right. But but I think that they never really had, you know, you mentioned a guy like 
Tyrone Wallace, who, who's stepped in and played really good basketball for them, or C.J. Williams this year. Guys that have had been on two-way deals, the opportunities presented themselves, and they've kind of made the most of it. Those opportunities never presented themselves in previous years because they would be behind guys like Antoine Jameson or, you know, like... Hito Turkaloo. Yeah, Hito Hito. These seasoned kind of veterans who you kind of expected to step in and play those minutes. And it never really quite worked out. And they they never got they never had any real organic growth. None of they their blew, draft picks they, right. They blew out. they blew through all the picks. Yeah, they and just... they traded a bunch. Um, you know their second round picks didn't pan out. And I, I think those those kind of factors it made it a very stagnant environment. And, and that to me is kind of where I say like when I marveled sort of at the creativity today. It's not like the notion of trading Blake Griffin in itself is, is some like. Oh my God! I can't believe they thought about it. Let's let's throw Jerry West an Executive of the Year award because he did this. But it to me it marks a big transformation, um, just sort of in terms of that they, they've come to grips with the fact that it's not happening. Um, and, and I guess kudos to them as an organization for excuse me for being not content with with being a, a decent team that's worth watching and you you know because they're not going to be that worth watching pretty soon. Well, and I, I guess that, I mean, I want to get to that a little bit, but I mostly wanted to talk to you uh, because you were there for this whole run. And I, sure. I want, I, I guess like what, what is your, when you think back on this era for the Clippers, like uh-huh. what, what will you, what, like, what will it be remembered for? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think being there every day versus being there kind of on the outside. I mean, I'll look at it always as like, it was a wildly entertaining team that didn't seem to get out of the way of itself in really interesting moments always. But, but it was a team that, that I felt was, was, you know, again, like you're always in it, you know, they were, they were always kind of, they always part of that relevant conversation um, in that second kind of tier contender. And it was really interesting to watch a team that won so frequently, seemingly not know how to quote unquote win when it mattered. Right, this was a team that won a ton of games. You know, I think if you were to look, I, I forget the stat, but it was something like over a five or six year span. I think they were like the second or third most winningest team in in the NBA, behind like the Spurs and, and maybe like the Miami Heat or something like that. Like it, it was, a, it was, a, it's a crazy thing that they're in that conversation. But they were a consistent fifty plus win team every year, and um, they never just like it, they kind of just peaked. Even though the other thing too that I always marvel about them is how, to me, a group that was so individually like pretty well liked in, in, in different kinds of ways, collectively was so loathsome that like people like, really <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's a really it was a really unique thing. I kind of wonder if it'll be like you know when a band splits up and like people are like we're really happy to see everybody's solo work. I I think that that I hadn't thought of it like a a, a band, but I, I think. I want to get back to that in a second. I, that's a really good. That's a really good analogy. I, I guess let me ask a question this way: right, Is this run in Clippers history and going to be looked back on as a it with in, with fondness, or it is it going, or is it going to be? And I I agree with you for reasons we can get to. But do you or do you think it will be looked back on as this group should have done more than it did, and it just perpetually disappointed people, and that that's the way it will be remembered? 
Well, Tim, that's this is this is very East Coast of you. I, I don't operate in these. Uh, well, but the white, but I, these but I, and whites. <laughs> I, I would say I would say that ultimately, right? It, it's both. Well, I, that, I know, but I think disappointing. I think for um, I think because I think because of the point you brought up that people so actively disliked the Clippers for sure. all of the antics they would pull and the complaining and everything else. And ultimately, uh, they're not winning. And well, That's yes, and and just failing, right? Uh, it, I, th- I, I think that is going to be what people remember more than the fact that this franchise that had never won anything, literally in its entire history, <laughs> had had this, like you said, remarkable run where, for close to a decade, the Clippers are one of the ten most important teams in the NBA. I mean, was it really? I mean, so it was what six years. I mean, we, I'm I'm really going back to when Blake came in the league. I guess it'd be the, yeah. I guess it'd be the eight years Blake played because right from the beginning, even though they weren't um, they weren't God, contender, has it been eight years. Jeez, Tim, we're getting old. I know we are. Even though uh, even though Blake they weren't a contender that first year with Blake, Blake was so good right away that they immediately were relevant. Well, I can tell you a story were. about that. I can tell you a story about that. So that year, I was doing. I think I was just covering high school sports at the Orange County Register. And I had a friend in town from Chicago um, and we had, we had went to a concert and it was in Hollywood. I forgot the venue, but I was not enjoying the band. Um, I, I, I <laughs> was not having a good time. It was not for me. And I went because I'm a friend, you know, and as I proceeded to leave my friend um, at to listening to the music, I ducked off into the front of the bar to watch um, a basketball game. And it was the Clippers hosting the New York Knicks. And it's the Mozgov game. And it was sort of like a, oh, my God. Like, and, every, and then the bar kept getting more and more crowded at, at this concert as people were reacting to what they were seeing. You know, they'd show replays. And it was more than just, like, the, the, the Mozgov dunk. There were other plays in the game that Blake Griffin made where you were like, this is going to be something. And I remember going to my editors and being like, we're not covering this team right now. We should be covering them. And... You know, Blake Griffin's really good, and we should be a part of this. And, you know, obviously it, it needed a Chris Paul trade to happen before that that actually occurred at the Orange County Register, um, which in hindsight is still kind of remarkable in itself. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's something that, that you're right. There was like a, a kind of like the Clippers are fun. They, they had that blip, and, and, you know, you're you're too young for this, Tim, but like they had that blip um, – <laughs> I, th- I want to say it was in the late 90s. Um, you know, they had the Catino Mobley, Corey Maggetti, um, Elton Brand. Oh, that team, that team was that, that team was that team was in the mid 2000s. Was that in the mid 2000s? <laughs> yeah, Sean okay. Livingston was on that team. It so was when was 2000, so they did like, they, they did, and they did like that show on ESPN that followed that team with like Earl Boykin. Is that really 2006? Yeah, okay. that that okay, they geez. they played. Uh, I, for some it, reason, I feel like I'm in high school when this happens. No, I'm not. 2000, huh? 2006 playoffs. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to double check okay. that right now. So, so, I know it was the mid 2000s because Elton Brand was on the team in the 2000s. Anyways. Yeah, no, Elton Brand got drafted in 1999 to the Bulls. Okay, anyway, like I'm putting. Yeah, so when they lost, they lost in the they lost in seven in the conference semis to the sure uh, to the the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns, yes, and 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 like so, it was kind of like a little bit of that energy kind of came back, right? Like that was like a cool Clipper team, um, and like this was going to be a cool Clipper team, and then the Chris Paul trade happens, and they're absolutely a cool Clipper team um, for you know a year or so. And then they kind of became a team like, all right, you're at the table. Doc Rivers got there. It's like, now this is like you're a bunch of adults. Like, now you have to go do something. And it just never really happened. 
um, I know one of the the telling moments I've always felt like in, in kind of my Clipper coverage, and, and I've written about this, is, is you know when they beat the San Antonio Spurs in the first round of playoffs, an amazing series. Um, you know, seven really great games. Sure. And um, when they had beaten them during that series, um, someone uh, someone an employee for the team, a, a PR staffer, had printed out kind of the list of everybody's predictions on ESPN. Um, like, you know, and, and then they had put like the local people in there too, kind of like what had everybody picked in the series because nobody picked the Clippers, you know, and they played, they're playing the Spurs. And, and so, you know, a lot of people Spurs and six, you know, Spurs and seven people expect it to be a good series, but everybody thought San Antonio would win. And I remember after that series, um, after they'd beaten the Spurs, we were in Houston for a practice and sort of this, this, this sort of gloating, that was, you know, we we've accomplished something. How dare you pick? How how you know you you didn't believe in us? Like, and it was. I remember thinking to myself at the time, like, you know, you're right. I thought you were going to lose, but also kind of, you're a fourth of the way there. Right. You won one series. Congratulations. <laughs> you, you know, and it, and it was it was a monumental series, and it felt like it was a tremendous it was a, it was a tremendous series. But ultimately, but it, it was one series, and, I, and, it, and it, that kind of to me sums up that whole run for the Clippers. Like they just very just, impartial. Very, I'm sorry, incomplete. Very, very, very <laughs> like partially finished. Yes, yeah, just completely incomplete. Every year, and and we would have these discussions, right? Every year, you could come back the next year and explain away what happened the year before and sure. say why this year was going to be different. And I don't mean that as a criticism of them at all. It just it was just such a strange run because for all of the success they had. It wasn't like any year ended it when it was like, ah, you know, that was a good season. Like teams in the NBA usually like build up, right? They'll win a series and then they'll lose or they'll get to the playoffs and they'll lose one. Then they'll win a, se- a couple series. Like they'll build. And the Clippers, it just felt like, they, like like you said, Chris Paul got there and it was like, boom, this team is going to be great. And then just they just had one thing after another. It was Blake spraining his ankle against Memphis. It was Chris Paul getting hurt. Hurt in his hamstring. It was the Sterling stuff. It was Blake and sure. Chris getting hurt later. It just felt like there was there was always something, which was then why every year everybody was like, "Well, it, it kind of went back to like the old joke." Run it about back. The, well, yeah. back to the old joke with Doc about the the Celtics, and they never lost with their starting five. And it was like, "Well, if we had everybody the whole way through, it would work out." And then it just never happened. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash postupnewsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think that's, again, like, when we talk about sort of how this group will be remembered, ultimately, I mean, I think that's sort of it, It, you know, is – this group was good enough to be remembered, um, but like you, it, not good enough to be remembered with like amazingly fond memories. It, it'll right. be kind of some 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 really kind of muddled thing. Like and, this should be just a hugely celebrated 
run. This was a really fun team to watch. They won a bazillion games. They well, did stuff in the, the franchise of the franchise. Well, right, that's what I mean. In the context of a franchise too. that had never done anything, and instead, it's it is going to be muddled. I think, and it is it is going to be it is going to be less than celebratory. And well, because I, it, I think, I mean, it and it's just kind of strange ends with things like. You know, and these are just like little decisions along the way that you're just kind of like left scratching your head as to like, you know, you wonder if these lead to like bigger organizational questions. But things like, you know, the uniform redesign being so bad, the the condor being so confusing, um, you know, these sort of organizational decisions. Even keeping you, the Clipper name when Bomber bought the team. Like know, there was a lot uh, of thought that they might just sure. rebrand the whole thing and just start absolutely, absolutely could have. Um you know, when they redid the locker rooms, um, you know, the fixtures on the inside, uh, players complained about them being cheap. And, like, e- even though they, they tried to improve it, they somehow – they didn't make it worse, but it wasn't quite good enough stuff. Right. There's probably right. a metaphor in there, too. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, that'll be chapter two uh, my <laughs> of pending, the book. Uh, my, my pending Clipper book. Um, no, but I, but I do think, though um, – it'll be a complex thing. I, I, I find the team right now and, and I keep up a little bit with the team. Like I'm, I'm doing some NBA stuff here and, and now that football's over, I'll be doing some more, um, which is a win for all of us. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Congratulations. Everybody. <laughs> um, I, I, I think to me, the thing that I found most interesting today was sort of the conflicting messaging and, and kind of the spin seemingly out of Clipper camp that like, you know, we're not giving up on this year. We got two starters back in this trade, and we're still competitive. Well, and where do you um, think that spin is coming from? Well, it's for sure coming from the Clippers. And, well, and no, I, but I I meant I think that spin is coming from the coach. <laughs> and I or the think, coach or the front office. Well, I, th- I, I, think I mean, the, I think that could be Lawrence Frank. It could be Doc Rivers. To me, the I front think, office, to me, what the front office did today and what I wrote about in my column. Signal the move. We're moving on. Well, I mean, not look, not just moving on, not just moving on, but we are going to go after stars in 2019, and we yeah. are we are loading up to it have could be an empty. It could be sooner. I mean, look, they can be in the mix this summer, but I think it's going to be very difficult for them to really be in position to do that. And I think they'd be much better off just waiting one more year and then theoretically having no money on the books at all in 2019 and then telling all those guys are going to be free agents. Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Kevin Love, uh, potentially LeBron James. I think LeBron James could very well sign a one-year deal to stay in Cleveland. Maybe Paul George signs a one-year deal to stay in Oklahoma City. I don't think those scenarios are out of the realm possibility at all. You could have all eight of those guys be free agents and you could go to them and say, hey, how do you guys want to divvy this money up? What do you want to do? And, and you could come have whatever team you want in L.A. Um, and I, I think that that is a, uh, I think that is a very real, uh, possibility for them. And I, and that like, cause you saw all the guys they got today. Uh, well, uh, Avery Bradley didn't, but T- Tobias Harris and Boban both have money through next year. They've still got, uh, Gallinari. They got Austin Rivers with an option. They got a lot of guys. With well, options. so like, the get the Gallinari contract the, in hindsight here is the real kind of albatross. Well, that was a weird move at the time. I mean, the fact that they gave uh, that, up the no, first round pick, they, they, I'm telling you, they felt like they had to constantly be competitive and, and this is sort of was sort of well i know i just meant uh, what i meant was that i i didn't ever understand the fit of gallinari with their current team i understood them wanting to be competitive i just thought that he he is a power forward who was playing next to a power forward who was playing next to a center in the front court beyond the fact he hasn't been healthy i just didn't the fit never made a lot of sense to me it was you know it was kind of 
this other kind of thing that happened the entire time was sort of this the search for a small forward that yes. you know, in hindsight turns out they had like they ended up having like two pretty decent ones that like when you when you kind of look back like Luka Mbamute um played very good for them and, and was, yes. was just a total steal and was like everything you really wanted from that position um and, and kind of you know Matt Barnes again in hindsight not really terrible what they were trying to well, Matt, did you see Matt Barnes go all in on Doc today? I did. I did. Um, that was exciting. Um, <laughs> Still, you, you some know, drama I, left with the Clippers. Well, and and look, and there and there, there will be um, continually. I think the first game when Austin takes fifty shots will be a nice. That'll be a nice news story that day. <laughs> um, but I, I do feel like this. You you know there is like it's not out of the realm of possibility if for whatever reason they don't move Lou Williams, if for whatever reason they don't move DeAndre Jordan. Um, I look at the bottom half of the, the bottom part of this Western conference and it's like, they could screw this up by making being the eight seed. Oh, I mean, I, listen, I, they're, they're too good. Regardless. They're not going to tank anyway. Like even if they want to fall apart, they, they have too many wins to like flame out and get like a top pick unless they get crazy lucky. But, in the draft. Well, that's what I mean. To me, like that's what you want right now is you want to have two lottery tickets instead of one. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think. I mean, look, I my guess is that their pick and Detroit's pick are both somewhere between ten and seventeen. Um, and I I think look, the guys they got back are fine. Like Avery Bradley's had a very bad season, but he he's sure he's a good player. He's Tobias a good Harris, player. Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is is a fine player. Um, I worry that the Clippers are going to have trouble creating any offense now because Blake, you know, low key was their probably their best creator. Uh, Not, nothing a, low, nothing low key about that. Well, yeah, I meant, I, you know, uh, I meant because people, you know, get excited about Lou, what Lou Williams is doing and stuff. But but Blake Griffin, like I think best he's going to yes, and I think he's going to help the Pistons a ton because the Pistons have been dying for somebody to create shots for other players with Reggie Jackson out. Like Tobias Harris is not doing that. He could score some but he's not putting the ball on the floor and doing anything. Neither is Avery Bradley. You know, you've got a guy like Milos who can do that a little bit, but, um, well, more than a little bit, but he's in he and hasn't out been the on lineup. the court either. Right, yeah. he's in and out of the lineup health-wise. But, um, but look, they have enough talent that they should still, um, they should still be able to, uh, at minimum, compete for an eight seed. And I, I still think they're, they're probably going to get in because I think the Pelicans are going to go off a cliff now the bookies are. Yeah, which is, you know, I, it's just fascinating kind of that, that's sort of their situation now. I mean, again, if, if I were running the Clippers, um, which I'm not, uh, sadly, um, <laughs> I would, that'd be a fun job. I think, um, you know, to me, I wonder if was trading Blake, you know, was that the first priority? Did they try already with Deandre? Did they try already with Lou Williams? And do they not like the market there in terms of, Oh, in terms of trying to trade them? Yeah. I mean, I and think I, what happened was, I think what happened was, I mean, look, the Pistons are desperate. Right. Yes. Reggie Jackson got hurt a month ago. They have gone three and twelve since then. Uh they're they're going careening off a cliff. Um, you know, it's not it hasn't been a New good arena. situation. New, New arena, arena that's empty. You know, Blake is going to help with that, but they, they haven't been in a good place for a while. The and... people of Detroit will love how many cars Blake Griffin will jump over the <laughs> so You can just line up Chrysler's just won't like Kia's. Just won't like Kia. Yeah. They won't yeah, like Kia's American. though. Yeah. Um, you know, it it'll be to me very interesting to see um what 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 they look like um you know now that they have him in there. But look, the the, the Clippers to me, this is a Jerry West move, right? Jerry West clearly looked at this and said, We can get rid of this Blake Griffin contract and reset things. We need to do this now. And so they they got an offer that worked for them and they jumped on it. 
I mean, I and, and the fact that they were able to do that and, and kind of even suffer the you know people people might be like, oh, then they should have just let them walk or whatever, or that you you know, I mean, they were able to kind of get a look at this. I think knowing Doc and knowing kind of what he would say is that this will be another year where he, well he'll feel like he never got a chance to really see his team. Oh, um, sure, of course. You, you know, uh, and to to know what they had. He's going to say that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, because because of the Tadosic injury early in the season, because then well, Gall- and Gallinari literally down. hasn't played. Beverly yeah, yeah, didn't Gallinari play. goes down, and it's like, okay, well, you know, this is a team that is. I think you know they'll only have then their next game. DeAndre Jordan will be the only starter from opening night, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I don't know. I was covering a football game. But, <laughs> it's true. Um, no, it's true. And, and and so, you know, this will feel like kind of another wasted opportunity in that sense. But I, I do think it's a good step forwards, ultimately, um, for the organization. It's just, you know, it's the timing of it, again, is, you know, a little puzzling. Like, could they have not gotten a similar you, – you wonder, you know, I mean, this is the gamble, right? Is that, like, could they have gotten a similar package, you know, in a year? I don't think um, so. I don't you think know, so. I depending think depending on, I mean, you know, in the in that year, you're betting on there not being another. There were not. Yeah, there were. There or, were not or, a, or hamstring. There were not a lot of teams that were willing to take on that Blake contract. I mean, it. You know, he when healthy, he still is a really good player, and I think if he if he stays healthy for most of the next couple of years, that trade will probably work out okay for the Pistons because once they get to the last year, it's gigantic expiring, even if he is at that point a shell of himself and they can then do stuff with that. And I think but, I actually think his game will age okay in the sense that, and we've talked about this before, he's a tremendous worker. He's well, I, I tried to give you credit on Twitter yeah. the other night when he hit the three and everybody I, I, started to hate people, me. But people I, clap back at you. But no, <laughs> but I mean, but like he, he is a guy who's gotten better every year at, at certain things in his game. He's a really smart player. I think he'll figure out. I think he'll adapt well to his new physical limitations as he gets older. Yeah, I, I, I think that. so too. I, the, the one thing that concerns me is he probably should eventually start to shift more towards playing center full-time, and now he's on a team with Andre Drummond. So mm-hmm. he can't really do that. And I think if he was on a team, let's say he was on the Celtics, just as an example because I just watched them play the Nuggets. Uh, if he was on a team where he could just run as a center, uh, I think he'd have a better – it'd be an easier path to aging out um, and look, who knows, the Pistons, maybe the Pistons could turn around at some point if this doesn't work and trade Andre Drummond for other pieces and then surround Blake with more shooting that way or do something like that. Uh, you know, they have they have options. But one thing we haven't really talked about is is just Blake personally. And you you know Blake as well as just about anybody in the media. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think his, uh, his general reaction to this is going to be? I mean, is it going to be as bad as people think? I mean, this is wildly speculative, but I mean, like, I think it's, I think he was very comfortable in Los Angeles. Um, I think he, a lot of his interests were here, um, obviously very involved in comedy and Hollywood and stuff like that. I, th- I think, it w- you know, my anticipation will be that this is where he still lives, um, that he will not be moving to Detroit full time. Sorry to the realtors out there. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, he's kind of joked about this. It's it's an awkward situation. And knowing Blake, this is someone who um, isn't always comfortable in awkward situations. And I, and I think it'll be a challenge for him. I think in the short term, he'll take it as something as a little bit of a, I don't think he'll pout. I think he'll take it as a little bit of a slight. And I think he will um, try and prove the Clippers wrong. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I've, I, I mean, I have seen, you know, and a lot of it's just like social media nonsense. But I have seen some people kind of wonder, you know, if Blake's going to, be 
you know, mopey or pout about going to Detroit. I, I'm with you. I, I think if knowing, I don't Blake, think so. knowing Blake a little bit, I, I think if anything, he's going to be hyper motivated to prove that he still is a stud player and that, you know, they never should have traded him in the mm. first place. And, and he can be moody for sure. You know, from being around him, um, that is definitely a trait that he has. And he can be a little overly frustrated, obviously has. Um, well, part of the thing that derailed that Clipper team was that they all could be, a little moody and like they just wore on each other all the time. Right. Correct. Correct. That was certainly part of it. And I think, so, you know, I wonder how that'll take him, but I mean, you know, the way he reacted to that Twitter was kind of exactly how I thought he would react. Right. Uh, you know, a quick little joke about it. And, you know, I, I expect him to move on and play basketball. I think, um, you know, as far as like, the Clipper for life stuff. Um, did he believe that? I'm sure to a certain extent. I mean, but but if we're being honest, I mean, this is a guy whose name has come up in trade rumors in the past. Well, here here is my question, and maybe you maybe you 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 probably don't know the answer. Um, just from not being around the team last year. Sure. Why didn't he get a no trade clause? I mean, my understanding on it, based on like what I've read and stuff, is that it was sort of the trade off for the fifth year of the deal. See, if I was him, I would have just taken. I mean, I guess then it's only four years, but knowing how much he loves LA, I would have just been like, yeah, I'd rather just make sure I have the no trade clause. But I, I guess he probably didn't expect them to trade him in five months either. But I, no. I, I think that that is going to be something. Like, I think when you look at how the Carmelo Anthony situation played out and you look at how this situation played out, I have a feeling that moving forward, no trade clauses are going to become a way bigger deal for players. At well, least players that are in mark, at least that they're guys that are locked into this place as they want to be. Um, I, I think that that's going to become a much bigger sticking point because you look at yeah. how, like, look, you could say it didn't work out well for the Knicks the way the Carmelo Anthony thing worked out, but you look at how this Blake Griffin situation played out for him. And I'm not, this is not bagging on Detroit, but just like you said, this is a guy that's into acting, into comedy. Uh, he clearly loved being in LA. Um, he just resigned there. I mean, this is a guy that was not looking to go. Anywhere. He wanted to be in LA. Right. He wanted to be in LA. And, and now he can't be for a long time. And, and that that's in part because he didn't get that no trade clause this summer. And I think in the future, I think you might see more guys say, you know what? If it's a choice between a fifth year and a no trade clause, I might take the no trade clause instead and make sure that I have control of where I'm going. Because, you know, I'm sure today, and again, this isn't a knock on the Midwest, but I'm sure that if Blake had a chance to move over right now, how dare you, Tim? He'd like to be able to stay in LA. And now he isn't. I mean, look, there are plenty of great things in Detroit, uh, which we could list on another podcast. I can think of, you know, <laughs> Motown. We're both um, people from the Midwest, so. It's not like it's not even though we both now live in California. It's not like we are bagging on that. But I, I do you're think you're from that, the Midwest. I thought you're from like upstate New York. I mean, I'm I'm grew up uh, about four hours, five hours from Detroit. But like directly, directly east though. Yeah, I mean, I grew up an hour. And, I grew up two and a half hours from Cleveland. So I would say what state? What state? I was in Western New York State. That is absolutely not the Midwest. Well. That is, I, I, I quibble with I quibble with that. That is absolute. That is fake news, if I have ever heard it. What a, I would say people consider Buffalo. Well, I would say people consider Buffalo Midwest as opposed to uh, Northeast. Oh, I wildly disagree with that. I that's, Twitter that's, poll. Twitter poll. There's no way that is true. <laughs> we can we can do a Twitter poll on that. Or you the can. State you, the you state want. you grew up in literally touches the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, and I I lived like a thousand miles from there. 
Like, I understand, but I wouldn't like, say that I'm gonna, if I, I'm if gonna I actually, lived in Palm, I'm if I lived a- in Palm Springs, I wouldn't be like, well, I grew up in the Midwest. Well, yeah, but th- you wouldn't grow up in the Midwest. Like, I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up right now. I bet from my house to Montauk is like 700 miles. It's still the same. Ugh. It's, it's about proximity. Like, I understand that Detroit. It, keep in mind that Detroit is like as eastern as the Midwest gets in a lot of ways. Cleveland, I guess. I mean, I I grew up as far from Chicago as I did from Montauk. Yeah, well, you were still on the wrong side of it. It's the state lines, Tim. The state lines, Tim. That that you you were your own thing. Do people consider Pitts, Pittsburgh in the Midwest? I probably wouldn't. All right. Well, I think you have a different definition. Uh, Rust Belt, right? I don't know what that well, is. Well, Rust Belt for sure, but yeah, it's its own thing. The the, the whole point was it, this. That's not meant to. To bag on the Midwest or like less I desirable can speak locations. To this. There are plenty of places in Detroit. It's better for the Pistons that they're in downtown now. Um, yes. you know, it's a city that that has um, some some pretty cool stuff that that is been there after a really tough time. Um, I hope it works out there for them. I'd rather live in Los Angeles. Yes. Well, and, and well, look, and like you said, Blake Blake is a specifically he also live a in Los Angeles, guy. right? And Blake is specifically a guy who. Um, Blake specifically a guy who is into the the acting scene and the comedy scene and like this well, is stuff chil- he's interested yeah, I mean, he in. Has, he has children. The children's mother lives here. I mean, there, there are other factors too at play. Sure. Uh, um, you, you know, I think that's part of it. Um, but, you know, again, I think the point of this is it's like he signed up for five years in one place. Like, I hope um, he had a good lease. something like that like i like i kind of hope that you know i'm pretty sure blake won't be moving out of this place i hope he just didn't put in like a big amazon prime order because i would do that like with with and i said that i know who i'm talking to tim so i haven't said amazon prime Um, (laughs) the um well done you you know where it's like it's gonna come in three days because that dude's not gonna be home again for a while right Right. He's going to get some good winter coats, though. I do know that about Blake. Uh, he, will I, have, he will have a good collection of new winter coats. He'll be fashionable, and, um, no question. Yeah, yeah, and and I think he'll play pretty good basketball with Stan Van Gundy. I think that'll be fun to kind of watch those guys because Blake does have a unique skill set. And, I think they're going to be really intriguing to watch. Like him and Drummond together, you know, they're two of the better passing bigs in the league. I mean, I, it, I think it's going it to shouldn't be, very be a, fun. It shouldn't be a huge adjustment, I would think, playing with Drummond um, – you know, versus playing with, with uh, DeAndre, I think there's some similarities, obviously some differences too. Right. But uh, but I, I think that'll be kind of a good fit. I mean, when I look at the Pistons just on the outside, it's just sort of like, well, who's going to shoot? Yes. Well, that, yeah. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of issues on the perimeter now, especially if they've moved on from from Harris too. I mean, they're they're going to be in uh, – they're going to be in an interesting. Uh, they're going to be in an interesting. Did place. the Clippers get enough for Blake? Let me ask you this: Did the Clippers get enough for Blake Griffin? Could they have gotten more? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, Couldn't I think have gotten a second first somewhere. No, no way. Could you have no gotten way. Stanley Johnson? You know, you know how much the you know how much money Blake is owed. Could you have gotten Stanley Johnson? No, in that deal? no. Do you know how much money Blake is owed? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a gigantic max contract. Hundred, a hundred and forty-one million dollars. That's a lot of. That's, that's a lot, a lot of, of money. It's a lot of zeros. It's <laughs> a lot of money. It's a lot of red tracks. I mean, they, I mean, look, I think they probably could have had Stanley or a first and well, I, I would rather have the, first. I'd rather have the first two. So, uh, you know, and, and at I'd some be point curious to know what kind of, cause this was from what I've read again, this was something that kind of happened over a week. I'd be curious to know what the starting point was on like which side called. Well, I've like, well, I'm sure I, I would have, I wouldn't say I'm sure the Pistons called. I I can say with not certainty, but I'm that just seems I can how the say Clippers pretty, have operated. Yeah, I could say with pretty 
pretty good confidence that the Pistons, I think, have, I think initiated this in the beginning. And and, and I would like I said, the Pistons are like the, the Pistons are in first, a pretty desperate place at the moment. If if the Clippers would have gone all Danny Ainge and been like, okay, we'll do it, but we're gonna need Drummond, three first round picks. No, my guess is my you, guess you know. is that my guess is that this came together in this form from kind of the beginning. I mean, I think like look, I wrote a column last week kind of laying out trades the Cavs could make to redo their team. And one of the trades I offered up was Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley for Kevin Love and some filler. Uh so I mean I, I think that was kind of the if they were going to make a swing trade, it was going to be send out Avery Bradley before they have to try to pay him and yeah. probably send out Tobias Harris, who's an int- interesting forward that probably is never going to be an all-star, but it's a nice player that, like you said, is 25. He's got some room to grow still um, on a decent contract. Like that, that's the kind of, that's what, if you're going to trade for a guy, that's like the kind of package you throw that's out the there package, and say, yeah. hey, what do you like? What do you think of this? And then that's where, well, we're not going to do it if you don't give us a first. Okay, can we protect the first a little bit? Okay, like we take, we got to take Boban to even the money. Like that's where some of that stuff comes in. But I think we haven't talked about how fun that'll be in LA. Well, there's all kinds of stuff there. Tobias and Boban are like friends. They had the they had the Boban dancing video. Uh, Bob- Bo- Boban in Los Angeles has a chance. Um, he is a DeAndre Jordan away from being their second center. I mean, he's their second center now, isn't he? Well, Harold. <laughs> I mean, Harold's been pretty good. I get, yeah, the true. I forgot about Harold, but I, I mean, he'll probably still get some minutes. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean, that he, might bring me back. I, you know what, Boban might bring me back to the end. <laughs> Boban that's is a good dude. Best. I've I've seen Blake play before. I just want to watch Boban put his hands on things, He's, uh, small things like get him a can, of, get him a can of Red Bull. And watch him hold it. Like I could, I, that would be that'd be great for me. He's he's a good dude, and you know what? He can be effective. Like he isn't he isn't a bad player. Like people people think that he's horrendous. I mean he he's a tough matchup against some teams because he uh, because of his uh, limitations defensively. Like if he gets put in a pick and roll, obviously it's not gonna not gonna go great. But I mean, look, he can yeah. come in for eight or ten minutes, and he can get you know eight points and six boards. So here, before I go, Tim, since I did this podcast, do I get free prime next year? Is that how this works? <laughs> I can, I can make, I can, uh, I can run that up the flagpole to. Uh, do I? Can I? Can I get behind the paywall to read Fahrenheit and, and and all the good stuff? Or well, you you can all the bond temps and, and well, uh, I, I everybody think you, else. I think you should just be supporting your your friend and have a subscription. Oh, That's what gosh. I think. <laughs> Ugh, fine. That's what um, I think. I'll pay for journalism. Okay. I, I appreciate you that. Talked me into it. Um, thanks for having me on though. This was fun. No, I gotta go. I gotta go back to working on some football stuff. Well, I was going to, I was, I was going to try to, I was going to try to let you exit out here, but now you're exiting yourself. Uh, I'll, but... I'll, I'll show myself. <laughs> um, is there any, uh, are there, I know you're, I know you told me you're going to be doing some stuff at all-star weekend, which is exciting. Yeah, and, and I'll be around, you know, n- nothing, you know, I've, like we'll see what, what what's coming up here. I've got got, got some good ideas kind of in the hopper, um, and uh, you know looking forward to uh, year two of the Chargers in Los Angeles uh, coming up. I mean, football doesn't really end. You know, I've got the weekend after. So listen to this; you'll get a kick out of this. Okay. The weekend after the All Star game, I'm officiating a wedding in Mexico. Really? Yes. Add that to your list of accomplishments. Okay, so I'll be in Mexico for four days. And then from Mexico, I fly to Los Angeles and then immediately fly to Indianapolis for the combine for what has a chance to be like an all-time great 
seven to eight day bender. Um, like that is a lot of bar time. People yeah. who cover the combine. People who cover the combine. You might not know this. That is essentially all there is. Oh yes, forty yard dashes and forty ounce beers. Yes, you a may. A lot of bar I, time. I I will keep my fingers crossed that you survive uh, all of that because you may not. <laughs> you I may know. not survive Mexico, and you probably won't survive the combine. So I'm glad I'll get to see it all star weekend. I'm, I can I'm, already taking, I'm already taking the. And uh, <laughs> build up my, my immune system to get ready for the challenges that lay ahead. Well, well, there you go. But I, I appreciate you uh, taking a my pleasure, time, my pleasure, lane, my man. And I'll uh, I'm look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Sounds good, Timmy. All right, thanks again to Dan for doing the podcast. I really appreciate it. Be sure to go follow him on Twitter at Dan Wojcik Sports. Even though he still tweets too much about the NFL now that he's covering it, yeah, he's a fun NBA follow, and hopefully he's going to be doing some more NBA stuff here over the next few months as we go into the back half of the season into the playoffs in L.A. So, uh, Plus, he's just a funny dude and, and a worth following for that, so go check him out. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter, at Tim Bontemps, at Facebook, at Tim Bontemps NBA. Uh, in the pages of the Washington Post or on our website at washingtonpost.com slash sports. Go there tonight to read my full column on the Blake Griffin trade, uh, as well as we've got a trade stump going. Uh, it's going to have all the rumors and stuff going on around the league over the next 10 days up until the deadline. Everything you could want to know about what's going on in the NBA, be sure to go check it out there. Go support Glenn Yoder in the Western States. Glenn is the NBA editor at the Post. Uh, his band did the theme is for the podcast. It's from their album. It's great. Uh, go buy that. Go check them out. Please go support our other podcasts like Constitutional, Can You Do That, uh, the Fantasy Football Beat in Fantasy Football Season, Cape Up. Uh, there's a bunch of good ones. Uh, go to WashingtonPost.com slash podcast for that. Thank you again to Dan for coming on, and thank you to all of you for listening. I'll be back again with at least another podcast this week. We'll see if we have to have another emergency pod or two, but, um, but this was a fun chance to catch up with Dan about a, a really monumental trade and in day in the NBA. And we'll see if we have a few more of those between now and, and next Thursday's deadline. So thanks again to all of you for listening and we'll talk to y'all again soon.